Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. All right. Well, hey, good morning. I'm excited you're here as we are in our, our second week of a new series entitled Moving Forward. And I'm excited over this series. Is really, it's a, a foundation for, for many of us as we try to move forward in our life because that's what God's called us to do. He's called each and every one of us to, to continue to move forward. And I know sometimes life can kind of come at us many different ways. And sometimes we, we don't feel like we're moving forward very well. Sometimes we, we feel like we get stuck. Sometimes we feel like we're, we're in a rut. Sometimes we feel like we're just spinning our wheels. There's times too where, where maybe we even feel like we're moving in the wrong direction. But we're called to move forward, right? And we see this in our, our memory verse for this series. It's in Philippians 3.14. So if you have your Bibles, you can go there with me. So if you don't have a Bible, we always challenge you to download the Version Bible app. An incredible resource to take with you wherever you go. And I would challenge you to download it right now because we are actually going to read a ton, a ton of scripture today. So if you want to, you can actually connect to our Wi-Fi. It's a real big secret here, you guys. Ready? The password is 01234567. Don't tell anybody. Facebook Live. Whoops. Right? But no, download that and that how you have your Bible and, and then jump to Philippians 3.14 with me. And again, in this passage of scripture, Paul is writing to encourage the Philippians. And he's actually writing from, from being in prison, right? A place where he's facing opposition. And he's writing to the Philippians and the church of Philippi that are facing opposition as well. And he says this. He says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here's Paul, again, in the middle of hardship. Here's Paul in the middle of being in jail, a place where it would be really easy probably just to stop moving, a place where it'd be really easy to get stuck. And what he's saying, he's saying he presses on towards the goal. He continues to move forward. He's encouraging us. He's encouraging the Philippians. He's encouraging us to do the same thing. No matter what life throws at us, we're called to move forward. And if you remember from last week, we learned that in order to move forward, we actually have to know where forward is. We have to know where that is. We have to know our goal. We have to know our purpose. And we learn that our purpose is to please God through faith. And our purpose is to please God through faith. Well, we talked about how many times this can be hard. And we talked about how many times our past can kind of be a deterrent of us moving forward. How our past can sometimes confuse our purpose. We touched on that just a little bit. And today what I want us to do is I want us to expand on that a little bit more. I want us to to talk about how we can deal with our past, how we can deal with our past so that we can continue on, how we can deal with our past so that we can continue on to press on towards the goal, to win the prize for for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. And here's really one big idea that I want us to walk away with. Here's what I want us to leave with, that we have to own our past or it will own us. Own your past or it will own you. See, the truth is there's some things in our life that that we need to own. There's some things in our life that we need to recognize about ourselves. There's some things in our life that we need to to even accept about ourselves, right? To acknowledge about who we are, about acknowledge about what we've gone through, what we've done, right? There's some things that we need to own because if we don't, they'll own us. They'll keep us captive. They'll keep us from moving forward. There's some things in our life that we just have to take responsibility. And here's the truth about, of us, about each and every one of us. Each and every one of us have a past. 
Each and every one of us have some baggage that we're bringing through these doors when we walk in. Listen, the truth is I have some baggage, right? I have a past. You have some baggage and you have a past as well, right? We all do, but we need to own it. Here's the crazy thing about our past. Here's the crazy thing about our baggage, the things that we struggle with, the things in the areas where we messed up. Have you ever noticed that it always seems to kind of rear its ugly head, like at the most inconvenient times? Think about it. There's times where we feel like maybe we're, we're gaining some momentum. There's times where maybe we feel like we're, we're moving forward a little bit. Man, we've got some traction. In it. And then next thing you know, something from our past comes up. And it tries to stop us in our track. And the truth is, if we aren't careful, it can. If we aren't careful, it can own us. If we aren't careful, it can stop us dead on. If we aren't careful, it can keep us and it keep us from moving forward unless we own it. Unless we take responsibility for life. So that's my challenge for you today is to own your past or it will own you. That's it. Now you can go home. No, what we're going to do is actually we're going to jump in today and we're going to jump in the Bible because in the Bible, there's this great example of this through this guy named Jacob. In fact, we're going to spend a ton of time reading about him. And if, if you look at Jacob, he actually gives us a, a great example of, of many things that, that we do and how we respond to our past that sometimes can hurt us. But he also gives us some great examples of what we need to do. Gives us some great application of how we need to respond to our past and how we need to own our past as well. So let's just give a quick little background on Jacob before we jump in. Jacob was the, uh, the younger twin to his brother Esau. And I don't know if you have twins or are twin or been around twins before, but twins are always interesting. I mean, they're very similar to other siblings. There's always a rivalry that goes on. There's a closeness, but then there's also this, this great fighting that continues on and on. And Jacob and Esau were really no different, right? In fact, it started, it started at birth, even started before birth in the womb. If you look at the scriptures, it says that they jostled each other in the womb. They were fighting with, with each other. They were pushing each other even before birth. And then during birth, it says that Jacob came out second. And it says that he was grasping the heel of Esau, which was really how he got his name. Jacob means the one who grasped the heel, which is actually another terminology for the one who deceives. So Jacob's name from the very beginning was a part of his past, and it meant that he was a deceiver. And listen, this is something that Jacob lived out, right? Jacob lived this out. He fought with his brother, but he also continued to try to trick him. He also continued to try to lie to him. He continued to try to deceive him. He continued to try to steal things, and he was actually super successful at this. So much so that he stole his brother Esau's birthright, and he stole his brother Esau's blessing. Those are two things that are guaranteed to the firstborn son. And Jacob stole this from Esau. Right? This is something that somebody would do that's super messed up. Right? You've got to be, you've got to be completely off your rocker to be willing to steal someone's birthright, to steal someone's blessing. Right? But this is who Jacob was. This is what he did. He was pretty much, he was a messed up guy. We hear about him, we think he's amazing, but he was a messed up guy. And he was hated by his brother. He was hated by his brother so much so that Jacob eventually had to flee from his brother Esau. And he had to flee to the homeland of his family member of his mother. Jacob was messed up. But as I say that, here's what's incredible about it. God still had a plan for Jacob. He's as messed up as he was. As some, of the, as some of the things he did, as bad as they were, God still had a plan for Jacob. And it was an incredible plan as well. It was a plan to make him an entire nation. A plan to not just make him a, any regular nation, but a nation of God. This people group of God, God's holy chosen people, right? 
And he was doing that through Jacob. That's an incredible plan, but it's a plan that required Jacob to move forward. It's a plan that required Jacob to own his past. And we see this. We see this in the reading today. We see this through Genesis chapter 31 through 33. And we're going to read right here in Genesis 32. And we're going to see where God actually pushes Jacob to face his past. And listen, there's times where God pushes us to face our past. There's times where, where God puts us in very uncomfortable situations. And that's okay. What he's doing, he's trying to grow us. He's trying to move us to his plan so that we can move forward. And God does this with Jacob and he does it with us as well. And we see this here starting in Genesis chapter 32. We'll start here at verse 1. And again, we're going we're gonna to read about a chapter and a half today. Well, let's start here. Genesis 32, verse 1. It says, Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is the camp of God. So he named the place Mahanai. Now, just again, God pushed him. So here's Jacob. Jacob responded, and he started moving forward. Like, this is all good stuff. And here's one thing I just want us to see, right, as we start off. He says that God showed up. It says that God had his angels, the angels of God met him there, right? This is huge. So here's Jacob and he's moving forward, but God's with him. Listen, I want us to understand. God's going to push up sometimes. It's going to be uncomfortable, but if we're moving forward, he's with us. We have to remember that he's with us. And verse three continues on. It says, Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He instructed them, this is what you are to say to my... To, to my Lord Esau, your servant Jacob says, I've been staying with Levin and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, male and female servants. Now I'm sending this message to my Lord that I may find favor in your eyes. So here's Jacob. He's moving forward. He's not alone. But if you look at it, he's still, there's still some fear. He's still a little bit scared. So as he's facing his past, what, he does, what does he do? He puts some feelers out there. He sends some people ahead of him to see how Esau is doing, right? He's testing the waters. Listen, think about this. Don't we respond to our past with this as well? There's times we know that we've done something in the past. We've messed up and it's hurt somebody. And instead of going right to them, we're like, hey, we'll send somebody else to talk to them. We'll hear from somebody else. We're like, hey, how are they doing? What, are they still talking about that issue? Are they still talking about that thing? We'll put some feelers out, right? We'll just test the waters. Because we're still scared. We're not ready to move forward yet. We're not ready to face it head on. And this is really what Jacob was doing. Verse 6 continues on. It says, when the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought, if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. So this is where it's interesting, right? This is where it really gets real. Here's Jacob. He puts some feelers out there, and then he hears Esau's coming with 400 men. So Jacob responds with great fear and distress. And listen, he had reason to be scared. He had reason to have fear. He had reason to have distress, right? And I think a lot of times this is what we do. We have fear and distress when we're, when we're facing our past. So if you look at Jacob, his fear and distress led him to doing what? It led him to creating this backup plan. He split his group so that, that one could get away. If Jacob attacks, maybe one could get away. And so he was putting this backup plan. And what he really was doing, he was putting in place this plan to continue to run from his past. I think the truth is we do the same thing. I mean, we respond to our past much like Jacob does, with fear and distress. And instead of owning it, 
what we do is we look for a backup plan. We look for a way to escape. We look for a way to escape from the consequences. We look for a way to run from. And really what this is, it's really a form of denial. It's a way not to deal with the issue. It's a way to pass blame even. And the results, the results of this are always our past owning us. The result is, is really it keeps us from moving forward. The result is getting stuck and even oftentimes moving in the wrong direction. Because oftentimes our backup plan isn't where God wants us to go. Our plan B isn't necessarily moving forward, but sometimes it's moving backward. And understand this, God's not interested in your backup plan. He's interested in his plan for your life. Because he knows your backup plan is just a way to get stuck. He knows your backup plan is just a way to run. He knows your backup plan as a way not to own the past. And this is really where Jacob was heading, right? He was in fear and distress, and he was living in regret. Check this out as it continues on here in verse 9. It says, Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness that you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I'm afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper, and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. So here's Jacob in fear and distress, and he immediately goes to prayer. Listen, this is something that we need to do as well. Like this prayer is a good prayer. There's nothing wrong with this prayer. In fact, this is a legit prayer. This is a great prayer. But there's something in there that I want us to catch. There's something in that prayer that shows exactly where Jacob was. That shows that he was stuck. That shows that he was stuck in regret. That shows that he was stuck in fear. That shows that he was stuck in this distress. And shows that he was really struck, stuck in this feeling of defeat. He says, I am unworthy. Think about it. I think when we look at our past, that's a feeling that many of us take on. That feeling of unworthiness. That feeling like that we're, we're a horrible person. That feeling like that, that we're completely just mud, right? That we're, that we're bad, right? We had that feeling, and he says that. And listen, the truth is he is unworthy. The truth is we are unworthy as well. And there comes a point where we have to acknowledge it, but we can't internalize it. And Jacob was right on the verge of letting it internalize. He was letting it define who he was. And I think a lot of times when we're not moving forward, when we're not owning our past, we let those things internalize us. We let those things define who we are. And understand this. It's not who we are. It's not who we're defined by. Listen, Jesus lived a perfect life, died on a cross, was risen again for each and every one of us so that we could be made worthy through him. So that we could be made worthy through him. Our past isn't what defines us. He defines us. What we've done isn't what defines us. What he's done is what defines us. We need to remember that. And we need to remember that or we will never move forward. And our mistakes will own us if we internalize that. We'll get stuck. And this is really the beginning of where Jacob was headed. Continues on in verse 13 here. It says he spent the night there. And from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams. 30 female camels, 
with their young, 40 cows and 10 bulls, and 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. He put them in the care of his servants, each herd itself, and said to his servants, go ahead of me and keep some space between the herds. He instructed the one in the lead, when my brother Esau meets you and asks, who do you belong to and where are you going and who owns all these animals in front of you? Then you are to say, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my Lord Esau and he is coming behind us. He also instructed the second, the third, and all the others who followed the herds. You are to say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure to say, your servant Jacob is coming behind us. For he thought, I will pacify him with these gifts I'm sending on ahead. Later, I will see perhaps, and he will receive them. So Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him, but he himself spent the night in the camp. Now, if you look at this, Jacob stayed back. At this time, Jacob wasn't moving forward. And what's he really doing? What he's doing is he's delaying. He's delaying the inevitable. With his whole goal, his whole goal is to pacify his brother. His whole goal is to calm him down. Think about this. I think a lot of times we do this with our past. Rather than facing it, rather than looking at it, what do we do is we delay. We hold back and we try to pacify We try to calm it down. We try to wait till everything settles down. We know when we've done something wrong right away. We know when we've sinned. We know when we've messed up. We know when we've done something that we feel like could destroy our past. But far too often, instead of facing it head on, we delay it. We wait for things to calm down. But what's happening is really is leading to this internalization to ourselves again. And it's leading to defeat. It's leading to this feeling of failure. And again, this is where Jacob is headed. And I think if we're not careful, this is where many of us, we're headed to. I think if we're not careful, we head to this place where our past owns us. We're headed to this place where, where we let our past define us. Where we let it keep us from moving forward. And own your past or it will own you. If you look at these are some ways that, that Jacob responded. I think many times we respond to our past this way. But what's incredible about the story is it continues on. And you see some incredible action points that we can actually live out as well so that we can live out owning our past. So that we can live out really not being stuck in regret, not being stuck in remorse, but instead moving forward. And number one, what we need to do is to face it head on. We need to face our past head on. See, the truth is there comes a point where we need to wrestle. There comes a point when instead of hiding from it, instead of hiding it, instead of running from it, what we have to do is we have to go right towards it. We have to face it head up, hold on, and we have to stand up to it. If you look at Jacob, the continuation of his story, Jacob finally gets to that point. In fact, God forced him to that point. Listen, there's going to be a lot of times where God is going to force you to that point where you have to deal with your past, just like we see with Jacob here as it continues on in verse 22. It says this, That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and crossed the fort of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? 
Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Penel, saying, it's because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Penel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip, Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Right Again, there's a ton in this whole entire story. But what we see is we see, we see Jacob wrestling with God. And what we see is we see God making Jacob face his past head on. In fact, there's a key part to this passage of scripture that I don't want us to overlook, and it's this verse 27. It says, the man asked him, what's your name? For Jacob, his name was his past. For Jacob, his name was parts of his identity that he was allowing to, to identify who he was. Parts of his past that he was allowing to identify who he was. Right? For Jacob, his name represented all the bad things that he's done. For Jacob, his name represented the fact that he was a deceiver. The fact that he was a thief. The fact that he stole from his very own brother. He was a liar. This is what his name meant. Right? And he was allowing all these things to identify so he's wrestling with God, and God gets to the point where he has to face this head on, where he had to own it. And the truth is, we need to do the same thing. So let me ask you, what's your name? What are you allowing to identify yourself? Listen, it's not the name that, that you allow other people to call you, right? But it's that lie, it's that name that you believe for yourself. Listen, for many of us, we have a sin. We have something in our past that we are allowing to identify us that's keeping us from moving forward. It's that secret that, that we don't want anybody to know. It's that secret that we're holding on to. Listen today, I want you to address it. I want you to face it. What are you allowing to identify you? Truth is, it may be something you never shared before. It may be something that you've kept secret. But you have to face it head on. I want to challenge you. Face it head on. And what this is, is confession. And confession sets us free. If you remember from the last series, we talked about how confession leads to forgiveness and freedom. Again, 1 John 1.9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess to God, if we face our past head on with God, he will forgive us and purify. In James 5.16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. When we confess to others, when we face our past head on with others, we experience healing, and others can experience healing as well. But we have to face it head on. Then and only then can we move forward. Then and only then can we own our past. And if you look at it, the results are amazing. Right, let's go back to Jacob. If you look at Jacob, he was given a new name. He was given a new reputation as an overcomer. And understand this. The same is true for you. Once you admit who you were, God responds with what you could be. Once you admit who you were, God responds with who you already are through Christ. And you are an overcomer through Christ. You have a new name through Christ, through the cross, through what Jesus did for us, we are no longer seen and defined by our sin, but we are defined by him. But you have to own your past. You have to face it head on. So number one, face it head on. Number two, to own your past, repent. To own your past, we have to repent. Listen, let me give you the bad news about sin. The bad news about sin is that you can't unsin. 
fact, that's not even a real word, right? You can't unsin. You can't unsleep with the person that you slept with outside of marriage, right? You can't unlook at that thing that you looked at on the internet. You can't unsay those hurtful words that you said behind somebody's back or to their face, right? You can't undo these things. You can't untell a lie, right? You can't undo these things. You can't unsin, but you can repent. You can stop sinning. You can turn away from that sin. You can change from that old way of life. You can change from the past. Listen, to own your past, we have to repent. I said earlier, there's a lot of times that we look at our past with with fear and distress, which leads to regret. And understand this, regret is not necessarily a bad thing, right? Regret is not necessarily a bad thing. It's actually a starting point. It's a start to an action, right? But it's not completion. So understand, regret's not a place where we want to stay. See, regret, regret is looking backward. Regret's looking this way, whereas repentance is looking forward. It's a turning away from the past. It's a turning away from that old lifestyle. What we need to do to own our past is we need to repent. If you look at the continuation of Jacob and Esau in chapter 33, you see a glimpse of repentance and what it looks like. So check this out. Genesis 33, 1 through 11. It says, Jacob looked up and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two female servants. He put the female servants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Then Esau looked up and saw the women and children. Who are these with you? He asked. Jacob answered. They are the children of God has graciously given your servant. Then the female servants and their children approached and bowed down. Next, Leah and her children came and bowed down. Last of all, Joseph and Rachel, and they bowed down too. Esau asked, what's the meaning of all these flocks and herds I met? To find favor in your eyes, my Lord, he said. But Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. No, please, said Jacob. If I have found favor in your eyes, accept this gift from me. For to see your face is like seeing the face of God, not that you have received me favor. Please accept the present that was brought to you. For God has been generous to me, and I have all I need. And because Jacob insisted, Esau accepted. If you look at this, this is a little bit of a glimpse of what repentance looks like. This is a little bit of a, a glimpse of what, when we allow regret to stir us into action, looks like. And it starts with humility. If you look at Jacob, he came to Esau in complete humility. Again, if you notice, it says that he bowed down. He bowed down to Esau seven times. Now, this is significant. The number seven actually means completion. And what the bow means is that he was, it was a sign of, of submission. He was completely submitting to Esau. This was a way of letting Esau know that, know that he no longer wanted power over him. This was a way of letting Esau know that he was no longer that person who stole from him. He was no longer that person who was trying to deceive him. He was no longer that person who was trying to trick him and that he wasn't going to do it again. Repentance starts with humility and it ends with generosity. If you look at Jacob, he came and he brought numerous gifts to Esau. Again, he gave him herds and flocks and all these things. These things things couldn't replace what he stole. Again, you can't unsin. These things couldn't replace that. 
He knew it couldn't change the past, but what he knew is it could change the future. Repentance can change the future. Listen, you can't change your past, but you can change your future. And it happens through repentance. It happens when we, when we walk forward with humility and generosity. To own your past, you have to repent. I want you to understand it's never too late. It's never too late to do what God wants you to do. And the first step is always repentance. So turn away from your sin and own it in humility. Truth is, you may be down, but you're not out. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Listen, today I want to challenge us to own our past and to be righteous men. I want to challenge us to rise up again and to get up again. Don't let your past failures limit your future opportunities, but instead rise up and repent. Think about that. Is there an area of your life where you need to rise up? Is there an area of your life where where you're continually looking backward and you're stuck in regret? And you need to repent. I want to challenge you this week, do it. This week, live it out. Choose repentance over regret. Own your past or it will own you. And when we own our past, God opens the door for some incredible things. God opens the door for only what he can do. If you look at Jacob and Esau, they were restored. It said first that Esau didn't want to take the gifts at first from, from Jacob. But it says that he did. Again, Esau didn't take them because he needed them. He took them because it was a way of accepting Jacob. It was a way of showing forgiveness. See, if you go into that culture, in that culture, you would never take a gift from an enemy. So when Esau accepted that gift, what he's saying? He's saying that they are no longer enemies. Think about that. That's what owning the past led to. That's what repentance led to. And the truth is, in our lives, our past may have created some enemies. In our lives, our sins, our past struggles may have created some enemies. Listen, God can restore it. And it starts with repentance. Maybe for you, there's a broken re- a relationship that needs restored, and you need God's help, and it starts with repentance. Maybe for you, maybe you're your own worst enemy. Maybe you're inside your head, and maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to turn around and repent instead of living in regret. Listen, understand that you can experience restoration because of the power of Jesus. Even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purpose. And it's through the power of Jesus. There's purpose in dealing with our past. There's purpose in dealing with our baggage. And so that we can continue on and move forward to live that life that God has for us. But we have to own our past. Own your past or it will own you. And we do it by facing it head on and by repenting. As we close, if you would, pull out the connection card in the seat back in front of you. Maybe here today. And maybe for you, your past has kept you from a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've always felt just like Jacob did. You just felt unworthy. And it's kept you from making a commitment to follow him. Listen, I want you to understand today that Jesus is more powerful than anything in your past. Jesus is more powerful than any sin that you have. Jesus is more powerful than any struggle. Jesus is more powerful than anything that you've ever let define you. And today I want to give you opportunity. I want to give you opportunity to, to experience that. And what you can do is you simply make a commitment to follow him. If you're here today and you've never made that commitment, or maybe you did, but you've walked away from it, I want to give you the opportunity. You can simply check mark that box that says, I want to make a commitment to follow Jesus. Maybe here today, maybe God's, maybe God's stirring some things in your heart. Maybe he's speaking to you. 
Maybe there's some things that you need to face head on. Maybe there's some things that you've been delaying in your past. Maybe there's some things that you've been hiding to and God's saying, you know what, it's time to face them head on. That's so I want to challenge you to write those down and then make them more than words. Make them actions. This week, face them head on. Get a little uncomfortable, but know God is going to be with you. Maybe this week there's some things that you need to repent of. Maybe you need to turn away, change your lifestyle and look towards the future. Write those down and then begin to live those out. There's also a place for prayer requests as well where we'd love to partner with you in prayer. Again, these connection cards are our way to, to journey with you. It's our way to pray with you. It's our way to have your back. So we take them seriously. So fill it out completely and pass that in into the offering bucket and, and take this moment to fill that out again with any tithes or offerings as well. And Seth will be up in just a moment to explain the next steps. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church Podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.